Hello and welcome to A Light at the Crossroads. My name's Stephen Walsh. This month we're going to be talking to Ella Jones, one of the Liminal Eleven team, about her role at the company and how her creative life and training have prepared her for the role. So now, let's talk to Ella. Hello Ella, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you very much. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So your uh, official title at Liminal mm. Eleven is Editorial and Art Assistant. Yes. What does that entail in a sort of typical day or week or what are your, your sort of typical roles with that well the the role has kind of shifted and changed over the, the time that I've that I've had it because with the company's been in, in such a state of flux so at the moment I basically handle uh scheduling and sort of managing our book titles like the literature side of things so I handle author correspondence and making sure that all of that is going smoothly, talking to different designers and whoever's working on things to do with books. And then alongside that, I do editorial work and design work, depending on what's needed. Sort of my, my time is split kind of equally between those two things. So I pick up what, whatever has to happen, but, it, but I'm always working on, on books and never on uh, cards at the moment. Yeah, from our, our sort of team meetings mm. um the word i've sort of written down to describe what you do is wrangling it feels like you're sort of <laughs> do you know what i mean you're, it feels like you're sort of sure. corralling uh <laughs> i was, was going to extend the sort of rodeo metaphor but i'm not going to do that it's not, mm. it's not helping anyone but yeah. like it, it feels like you're very much you know uh yeah. organizing directing making mm. sure that everything's sort of kept, kept in I, line. yeah i like to know what's happening and so if anyone has a question, they normally just ask me because I'll have I'll have the information <laughs> ready. <laughs> yeah, I like I like being I like knowing what's going on across different departments, which is uh, it's it's nice that this job lets me do that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, as you say, the sort of the company has sort of grown mm. and expanded so much. Yeah. Over the last year or so that. Mm you know roles are constantly expanding contracting mm. changing sort of meeting the needs of the company and I, I do think um just looking at your your, your job title as or an art assistant mm. it's it's perfectly vague isn't it it's very much a thing where <laughs> it feels like it's it's been designed in a way that mm. Darren and Kay can pretty much ask you to do anything book related <laughs> and you're like I guess this falls under my my remit yeah, yeah kind of but I'm uh I, I really I really like that at the moment just because yeah I feel like my my uh, interests are split between words and images so the fact that I have a role that lets me work both in the design and editorial parts of of publishing is um, is great and something that doesn't really come up normally in publishing so I'm really happy <laughs> with it. Yeah, you'd imagine with most publishers, there is that very firm thing about people working on copy and people working on images and yeah. kind of never the twain shall meet mm. sort of thing. But obviously, um, just to sort of flip over to the mm. other side of your, your sort of creative life, you, you know, uh, part of, of what you do is, is you create comics. So obviously yes. you're used to sort of juggling mm. words and images and making sure they're, they're working in concert. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, that's probably a good way to sum up kind of how my uh, where my exact interests lie is yeah in, in in merging story and and image, be that comics or storyboarding or whatever that kind of happens to uh, be in the end. Yeah. 
Well, again, in, in terms of uh, creating a, a sort of broad remit for yourself, mm. your, your your sort of freelance endeavours are uh, titled mm. Toriella Jones Art. So it's very much yes. art, as mm. in, ask me to do something, I'll let you know if I can do it. It's, and it's a great <laughs> attitude, I think, for a, do you know what I mean? for a freelance dad, rather than sort of going, yeah. I do this. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, uh, if you ask me to do anything else, I'll sort of quibble about it. Whereas you're mm. just sort of like, I do what, ask me. I, yeah. you know, the worst I can say is no. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, that's creatively valuable as well, isn't it? Being... Mm that Being open flexible. and interested yeah but also yeah. I think also just sort of the sort of multidisciplinary aspect where mm. as you say yourself you know you've, you've done storyboarding and you've done comics and obviously a needling point in comics that you know it's very much it's not frozen cinema I don't think it's that it's doing a, a different thing but there's definitely a relationship mm. between how images are presented and and framed and, and produced for for definite mm. effects and they, that's shared across both media I think isn't it uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's interesting. It, it's a it's a discipline that I haven't, it, until Liminal, I hadn't really had that many people who, who shared the, the passion for it in a, in a mechanical sense in that, so I, I studied English, so I, I have a lot of friends who really understand uh, literature and how stories are crafted only with words, but then not too many people that that really like looking at how comics work specifically in in that they are a, a a story told with images as much as with the dialogue. If that makes sense, I don't know if this is answering your question or just spinning off. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it's very much how how an image looks, how it is on the page, um, the flow of images on a page, even kind of the the style of a speech bubble there are like a million visual things that go into a comic and that go into a comic that affect how it reads it's not just like an image supporting the words or vice versa they're completely intertwined so i really yeah i really i really like that <laughs> one of the things that myself and, and darren and Kay have talked about uh, mm. in terms of the company in the past was the sort of decision to involve comic creators in putting together tarot decks yeah. And I think it is that thing where comic creators just have this unique skill set where mm. they can design and present a still image that mm. has motion implied, has, you know, transitional elements implied, has yeah. sort of, you know, uh, a life to it that a lot of people don't, can't do in the same way, I think. Hmm. That's an interesting take. Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose that would make sense um, because obviously every every image in a in a traditional comic at least that that features characters has to have a sense of movement because i mean obviously the characters will be in action like they'll be doing something and then also there's the movement of the image has to guide your eye across it in a certain direction or a certain way so a lot of a lot of that comes up when you're dealing with perspective and composition so yeah i think all of the artists that we've been able to work with so far have are really really good at, at doing that uh, so that's great it's really fun to work with them yeah yeah I think it was Tilly I, I mm. sort of described a tarot deck as like just a really weird specific commission mm. where you yeah. kind of have to this card has to feature these elements 
you yeah. can decide how they're going to be presented, but they have to be there or be implied in some way. And I think for comic creators, that's a real sort of interesting uh, challenge. Yeah, it's fun because it's almost like you, you can tell a little bit of a story in in one image. So it, it's it's kind of like an illustration, I suppose, but there's probably, you know, an imagined story behind it or at least there's a meaning behind it. So there's, it's, it's like you get to use your narrative muscle, but also it's condensed into one image instead of having to do a whole book. So it's probably quite liberating in, in that way. It's quite freeing, I think. There's not too many constraints on it. So yeah, it's quite different. <laughs> well, you can definitely sort of, it's a sort of image you can sprawl out over in, in terms of mm, yeah. uh, you know, trying to load it but not overload it and getting the balance right there's a yeah it's a real sort of tightrope act i would think that tilly uh tilly's tarot deck is so beautiful and i don't know if you've read any of her other work but yeah that kind of sense of movement is really evident in pretty much everything that she has done that i've that i've read so she's got a real a real knack for it for yourself you sort of so obviously yeah. as you say there you've you've you know read Tilly's other work and, mm. and you have an interest in comics I just wondered yeah. um where that sprang from what what comics were, were you reading comics as a as a kid and growing up it started with manga for sure when I was uh when I was in school probably I I was a uh, <laughs> this is, it's not embarrassing I was a student librarian <laughs> at hey school. listen I was I can top that. I was a library prefect. Oh wow! And I won. Oh. I won the services to the college library prize, and I'm wow. very proud of that. Yeah, so oh I can outkeep you on school library. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really loved being a student librarian because it meant that. Well, it mainly meant that I could sit inside during lunch. I didn't have to go <laughs> and sit like out on the field, which was inevitably cold and muddy and rubbish. Um, and yeah, I just got to read uh, behind a desk and not really do any work. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's probably where it kicked off because all of those kind of long lunch times, I would just work my way through the manga section. I think I read everything that we had. Um, <laughs> in... Very, very nice that your school had uh, a manga section, though. I mean, that, yeah, that is wonderful. Actually, what yeah, kind of it's... stuff was it? Oh God, we had a range of stuff because it was, um, so I, I um, obviously, because I worked as a student librarian with a couple of my friends, we were quite close with the like actual librarian who <laughs> was there. So she would always tell us like if, if something new came in and like if there was anything we were specifically looking for that she could potentially get in for us, um, which was really great. So we had a big range of, we had... We, we had like the first five books of like Naruto, Bleach, I don't know, the first five books of all of the big ones. And then some really, really niche stories and, and books that, that I've never heard anyone talk about since. <laughs> like, um, there was one, there was one called, I think it was called Dolls or something. And it was, it was like a sci-fi-ish story where there were like porcelain dolls that would come to life and but they were like sold in a shop i'm not entirely sure i'm gonna just spin off into like um, <laughs> vague memory land uh, but yeah i'm kind was... of hoping this is a bizarre dream you had as a child and you sort of <laughs> turned it into a manga title that existed in real life 
no, no. And then you go on to write it and make it. That'd be incredible. <laughs> it's, it's real. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ella won the Eisner Award for a manga that she dreamt up <laughs> 10 years ago and made. Can you believe that? What a story. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, yeah, I probably started with that. I really love animation. I always, I you know, I watched Ghibli, the first film, when I was nine and have adored them since. So that's probably where it came from. And yeah. what other stuff did you move into? Obviously, you, you've mentioned Tilly as someone whose stuff you've read and enjoyed. I really like the Motherless Oven series. Oh, yeah. Rob Davis. I really love those ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really good. Um, they were great. So I, I read all three of those which was which was really cool that was that was kind of a style that I hadn't seen before in comics being so used to like in in manga I feel like there's a lot of similar styles that crop up quite a lot and even if it's not a similar style that how it's framed on a page there's definitely conventions but with the motherless oven series it was very like kind of heavy uh, black and whites yeah um which was really interesting to read and not to mention the story was so I don't know if you've it's, read it, but the story was crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to say tonally <laughs> unique, but crazy also mm. works. I mean, I mean exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's a yeah. remarkable piece of work, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I really loved that. Um, it's interesting what you say about manga. Um, I, I spoke to Fumio on this podcast a few months back. Um, yeah. And he sort of, he uh, alluded to the same idea where he was sort of, obviously, you know, raised on a, a, a pure diet of manga and, mm. and sort of realised eventually that there were restrictions there were sort of conventions in terms of framing and lighting mm. and he wanted to sort of grow beyond that he wanted to sort of oh, keep all those lessons but also sort of expand his vocabulary beyond the the, the, the lessons he'd learned there sure oh that's really interesting yeah I think it's I mean obviously it, it's interesting to talk about manga as a whole uh because <laughs> there are so many genres within manga you know and so many different looks and styles of story uh, and styles of drawing but certainly I think among like you know sh shoujo manga um, or like r romance manga there's definitely types of screen tones that come up yeah. quite a yeah. lot <laughs> and stuff like that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So in terms of, of, of making comics yourself, what sort of, mm. what age were you when you first sort of thought about that? I mean, ever since when I was like, I don't know, 12, all the way up to when I was going to uni. So what, 18 or something like that. Um, I used to, we have like a local pub um, that we used to go to, like uh, our, our sort of families would go and the adults would talk uh, and I would sit in the corner with my sketchbook and just draw. But they wouldn't, but I would be drawing things. They were always linked to stories that I had in my head, but I, I never kind of put them into an actual comic form. It was more kind of vague, like world building that never really came to anything. It was just me having fun. But then I went to uni and I started a society with uh, one of our other co-workers actually, um, with, with Jing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's because how. We... I, yeah, in my notes, I've got the comic book production society, and I was really yeah. sort of intrigued by that. But I didn't know Jing was a part of it as well. Yeah. So we. Uh, so I. I really loved storyboarding at at the time, and studying um, English meant that I wasn't really using that part of my brain. So I had 
this kind of concept of like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we if there was a society for uh, for comics and and storyboards? And then we met we met in a class where I think that there was a question that was posed that was like, does anyone in here play video games? And we were like the only two that said yes. So, <laughs> so then, <laughs> what sort of university is this? I mean, this I is... don't know. It was a strange, <laughs> it was a strange class. Um, so we we met up after the class and were immediately friends. You know, we were talking about <laughs> just things that we liked, and suddenly, you know, oh, we liked the same things. And then in that first sort of day of meeting, we were like, oh, let's make a society together. <laughs> and then we did it. <laughs> um, so that's probably when I started actually drawing, uh, drawing comics actively was in that society um, because we had a time slot every week where we would all meet up and we would draw. Um, which that was that initial meeting sounds like the first 10 minutes of a Wes Anderson film where you, you were just sort of like, let's form a society. <laughs> it really, it really was. Cause I, you know, I'm quite a, I, I like to think that I'm a creative person, but Jing is a, uh, like a, a powerhouse of energy so I basically just mentioned like oh it would be fun to you know make a society and Jing was like we're doing it yes um like send me the documents of the plan tomorrow and I was like oh okay there's <laughs> five logos yeah 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 and <laughs> in my university room designing logos together uh, <laughs> I think like, it's interesting there you sort of you you frame yourself as the <laughs> uh the passive person <laughs> in duo but like let's say just looking over uh yeah. your sort of your working life and your creative life you come across as someone very <laughs> proactive and energetic and in, involved so that's nice uh, <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea of like uh you know you're sort of like yeah I've, I've done a lot but wait till you see Jing <laughs> mm, yeah no really though <laughs> yeah if you, ever, if you ever get jing on here i feel like you'll understand you have so much well i'll have to get jing on just to get the other side of the story it yeah, feels yeah. like <laughs> again just looking over uh what i could could learn about uh the society it looked like it was a sort yeah. of a, a sort of networking group um you're organizing presentations on process to sort of help to encourage people yeah. Uh, to create and you were you were sort of visiting MCM as a group as well yeah yeah so um I think that the society is still a thing I think um after oh, we wonderful. left yeah. so I'm not sure what they've done with it now but Jean um, won't let them stop <laughs> yeah um I mean <laughs> we left it in the hands of someone that was in the group when when we were there so we trusted him uh and he has not let us down it's still a thing but essentially what it broke down to being was that uh, every week I would I would run a class um, that was teaching some aspect of of either story planning or or drawing you know we did anatomy we did different classes and Jing handled a lot of the um, basically the, the social events side of it so we we bounced it in that way and then we went to comic-con just uh, Jing and I went and we collected little business cards from all of these creators that were around sort of comic village and stuff basically just asking them we were like we can't really pay you but will <laughs> any of you like do do a talk <laughs> <for us?" laughs> which was fun so that's kind of the comic-con thing I think they might have gone 
as a society like in the future but when we were there we we, we didn't go because we were too busy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was really fun I liked doing that <laughs> I think it's a good way to you know if you are a creator mm. going to MCM for the first time on your own mm. I imagine will be sort of very intimidating mm. whereas if you're going as part of I mean I'm, I'm a big believer in the sort of power of collectives at the best of time I think they're a great way to mm. sort of encourage people to be creative and and if you get round to making sort of anthologies and things suddenly yeah. financially it all gets a bit more viable if everyone's putting a little bit of money in rather than one person having to mm. find the money to to make a comic um but I do think for, for something like that I mean as you say like comic-con and mcm the scale mm. of them they're in like you know aircraft hangers aren't they they're in these yeah. huge affairs <laughs> yeah. so if you go in sort of like as a bit of a group it does give you a, a bit more confidence i think mm. i mean yeah i'd uh just, just just talk about sort of going as a fan really more than anything else like i've i've been going to comic-con since i was uh since i was 12 i right. i love comic-con i think i probably love it more than christmas I think <laughs> my favorite thing of the year. <laughs> I love it so much. It's great. <laughs> and as I say, it seems like, mm. you know, uh, being part of, you know, a formative part of that society mm. seems to be a good indicator of your, your sort of general attitude. Where it, I'm just looking at your sort of your, your resume mm. and I, I think you've done more work experience than I've actually worked days <laughs> in my life. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> uh yeah I guess I just yeah I don't know I have a lot of I have a lot of interests so I liked to uh yeah I don't like I don't like sitting still very much <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it seems like you you know um one of the things you did was uh some some sort of general work experience mm -hmm. at Scholastic the publisher yes, I did. and it seems like that sort of extended into other sort of opportunities mm. to sort of go back a couple of times and and get more sort of specific and detailed roles yeah yeah because the first time I went was very much um I think I had a, a day of experience in each department so I really didn't know at all what I wanted to do <laughs> so <laughs> um so it was really nice to to be able to have a bit of a range of experiences there and then yeah when I was older I had the opportunity to go back and kind of Get experience in a more specific uh, sense which was when I kind of decided that editorial was a place I'd really like to be yeah <laughs> when you say you weren't sure um mm. I'm just thinking back to what you're talking about um this, working in the library in school and things yeah. was it always sort of books and publishing related that you were thinking so my entire life it's been story like definitely narrative I knew that that's the thing that I loved and then I thought okay publishing <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like that's the that's the natural thing to think and then yeah I got into my kind of late teens or something and yeah. I started considering storyboarding for animation as a as a different as another route that I might be interested in and I kind of think throughout my uh, life so far I've I've lived this kind of balancing act between the two um, <laughs> which yeah which which always kind of when I was a bit younger I don't know when like when, when I was at uni I kind of really worried about that being like ah but I'll never be like great at one of them you know if, if, I, if I'm constantly balancing two like I'll, I'll never be perfect at, at one 
but I've kind of come to this this wonderful role that I have now which allows me <laughs> to, to do both so um that's great <laughs> I think also you're being modest when you say balancing too because mm-hmm. as they looking over uh your sort of work and work experience history there's there is mm-hmm. sort of as you say editorial work and storyboarding but you're doing concept art yeah. you're doing imaging for newspapers which yeah. again is is thinking about images but in a completely different sense to any of the other things but still mm. is complementary isn't it and you know you're doing yeah. uh, creative writing you know you're doing all these things that mm. are gonna help to round you out as a as a creative person I think yeah yeah I think it, it worked out well uh, <laughs> in, in, in the long run because yeah I think it's I really love seeing how different disciplines affect other ones in kind of unexpected ways so you know they might seem very different but the principles of of what is going to make a good fight scene when you're storyboarding it translates pretty well to what's going to make a good fight scene in a novel like because you need the same things so just talking about fight scenes like that I mean this isn't even really really relevant to liminal but like this is just (laughs) the idea that's kind of in my head um currently is like um you need the actual fight to have a narrative right so within the fight there has to be a change um and there has to be stakes that that uh become higher across the fight otherwise it's just static and boring and that's the same for storyboarding and for yeah and for a novel and for a comic so that th- there are things that cross over disciplines quite a lot i think yeah there's that sort of famous i forget the guy's name but the guy who did the um in-depth video essays on hmm. the the new trilogy of Star Wars films, comparing them to the original trilogy. And he makes the point about the Darth Maul lightsaber scene where he's fighting two Jedi Knights and he's got a double-ended lightsaber and he's doing Mm backflips. So everything is more than any of the lightsaber fights in the first film, Mm -hmm. you know, the most famous one, or the uh, initial one between Darth and Obi-Wan, where essentially you've got two, you've got one massive guy and one older Mm -hmm. guy who yeah. can't do backflips mm. <laughs> so they just have to stand there and sort of parry one another thing but he says the storytelling of the Darth and Obi-Wan mm. even without knowing who their whole intertwined backstory yeah it's a much more fulfilling fight yes. scene in terms of narrative rather than 10 backflips and double-ended lightsabers and fighting two people yeah. at the same time because mm. A good fight scene isn't, you know, choreography can play a, a huge part in it. But if you just lean into that, you mm. lose all the emotion, don't you? That's the, the thing. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, yeah, art and, and visuals, but when it comes to narrative, should always be something that bolsters and helps a story or, or a plan that is already good. If, if there is, if it's just visual with nothing, no motivation behind it, then... I feel like that's not going to be as strong normally <laughs> for, for me. <laughs> like, yeah. Like even uh, Jackie Chan, where he's like mm. dancing through a ladder and fighting people. Yes. He knew that yeah. he had to every so often like bash his fingers or mm. like have some have a sack land on his head so yeah. that he could do a funny face just to sort of keep <laughs> yeah. an emotional tie to the thing. Otherwise, it's just, I think mm. just gymnastics still, you know, remarkable athletic ability but it loses something in terms of of keeping you tuned into the 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 visuals isn't it yeah yeah definitely that's so fun as well I love fight scenes that sort of incorporate 
the the objects around them because that, oh. then that makes it incredibly specific and individual. A lot of these these points I'm making about fight scenes, by the way, just to just to be clear, these are like things that I believe in, but I also learned these um, from 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 very intelligent teachers that I've had over the years. <laughs> this is not just me being like, wow, what an original thought. Like, no, 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 people have <laughs> people have said this before me, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, I, I, I learned a lot from my teachers when I, I did some studying with Concept Design Academy. So that's where a lot of this comes from, just just for information. That, that, that's a really great school. <laughs> mm. I'd say that's the interesting thing about, I think, your sort of creative life where mm. you, you've gone to do different courses uh, and, you, you know, looking at different uh, visual ideas, but then also within different contexts as well. So as I say, working on images for newspapers, you know, yeah. you've done some work for record labels, mm. literary festivals, yeah. <laughs> publishers. So, but it is, it's a different demand each time, isn't it? So even if it's similar sort mm. of images you're putting together, the purpose you're putting them together for suddenly adds an extra challenge to it. True. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I say, as well as sort of uh, the work experience, it feels like one of the sort of running themes is you, you always seem to be happy to do, mm. or maybe not happy, but pre prepared <laughs> to do extra, prepared to put mm. your sort of shoulder into it. So uh, yeah. there's sort of summer courses and uh, mm. extended qualifications. It's always, you're always mm. trying to sort of like do the most you can do. In, in, yeah. in terms of exploring something yeah for sure I'm glad that that's something that's synonymous with me I guess <laughs> I don't know how to word that um yeah I'm, I'm I'm glad that that's something that you think um because I think that's just true of anything you and anything you do obviously it's you know it's really easy to throw yourself into something if it's something that you have an interest in um <laughs> it's <laughs> You know, incredibly easy um to just I don't know I feel like if you have opportunities to do something then you should do it you should do it properly you should do it to the best of your ability yeah just to, to go back to to Tilly mm. uh, I'm sure have you read Spinning I have yeah right so you know before she was a comic creator she was uh, a figure skater and a very yeah. successful uh figure skater. and it is this thing where Tilly has such an incredible work ethic, mm. you kind of feel whatever she decided she was going to do, she mm -hmm. was going to excel at it. Yes. And she sort of tells a story about how, you know, her dad in particular was was very supportive. His thing was, whatever you decide to do, I will support you 100%, but you have to put 100% into it. Yes. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you in the middle. So obviously with figure skating and ice skating, early mornings and get into the rink and he was happy to you know do all that but he's like but you have to sort of take it seriously mm. and it was the same thing with comics once yeah. it was a thing she was going to do mm -hmm. you know when she was at the, the center for cartoon studies mm. um, she'd get up I think it was like she'd get up at like four o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and spend two hours working on the end of summer her own book that she was doing for Avery Hill yes. before then carrying on with the rest of her day doing all uh, assigned classwork and then going to bed at eight o'clock at night and just doing that for months at a time until she yeah. had finished a book while finishing a full-time <laughs> course. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, remarkable. And it is that thing of like, it's Incredible. not a coincidence, is it, about the, the work ethic um, mm. paying off. Another thing I, I noticed that I think is, is sort of interesting in, in your sort of your CV, so to speak, is, is the fact that you've done mm -hmm. 
stints in in bookshops in Waterstones and I think an independent bookshop as well wasn't it uh yeah the independent bookshop was when I was about uh, like 13 and it was for like two days but (laughs) but Waterstones yes (laughs) yeah Uh, I I think that's interesting as well again just in terms of of working within the publishing industry Mm. it gives you that sort of holistic view doesn't it you're working on the production side now Mm. that you've seen it all the way through to books being bagged up and handed over to a customer and you've talked to people about Mm. you know things that interest them and and what they respond to I think that's a sort of invaluable thing for creators to to get an insight into as well yeah it's I'm very lucky to have been able to have multiple experiences that mean that that, yeah that I've seen sort of the life life journey of a book from (laughs) um a to uh, all the way through to z I suppose yeah. Oh gosh. I really, I really loved working there. It was, uh, it was really fun. It was fun. It's, it's, it's different to be on the production side of things because everyone here is, is so passionate about creating books, but we often, cause we're so like in, in the work of producing that you, you don't often get a chance to just be a fan until after the book has been produced um sorry, published and you've had a chance to kind of relax and read it in full as a finished product whereas when you're in working in a bookshop everyone there is basically just a fan <laughs> like <laughs> the people you're working with and the people who you're selling the books to everyone's so passionate about the finished product so it's it's very it's very different and I yeah I like I love both it's good so you I guess the, the sort of the culmination of your comic creating career up to this point mm. was winning the manga Jiman award would that be correct yes Yes, yeah. probably. And and how did that come about? Uh, so I mean, you entered. Was, <laughs> when I, uh, so when I was at university, I I studied uh, I studied English, but I picked up Japanese language in second year for a host of reasons. But basically, I was interested in in just studying something else while I was in a place of of, of learning, um, so that I could get a bit of a range. And... I'd expect nothing less, Ella. I mean, this is. <laughs> If, if we've done nothing else in this podcast, surely we've determined that if there's an extra learning opportunity to be taken, you will mm-hmm. grab it. Yep, <laughs> if I can learn. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'll reach capacity at some point. My my brain will stop working. But yeah, so as so I picked up Japanese and someone in my class, I mean, all the time in class, you'd have to say, what you did this weekend or whatever it was so in in Japanese I would I, I learned how to say you know like oh I drew a comic or whatever um so a <laughs> friend of mine said who picked up on this said oh there's a there's a, a competition um called Manga G-Man uh you should go for it and then in third year I was in that kind of post uni like uni's just ended what am I going to do We're like what am I going to do with my life uh <laughs> sort of panic <laughs> And it coincided with the time when Manga G-Man was taking submissions. So I made a comic as a kind of stress reliever, not really expecting anything to come of it. Um, and then, yeah, they uh, they really liked it. And I ended up uh, winning in the end, which was um, really nice um, and a big surprise. And it was really great to just be in a room with people because I got to go to it like an the award ceremony thing and it was so fun to be in that room with all these other artists and people who really cared about uh, about everything that I cared about <laughs> well, it's, it's organized by 
the sort of Japanese cultural attache, isn't it? It's all it's mm. hosted by the embassy in, of yes. Japan. So, you know, it, it's very sort of, uh, I know Paul Gravett's involved, who obviously mm. is a, yeah. a huge figure in, in comics in, in the UK. So yeah. it is, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to, to win. And it's certainly something, you know, just working at Gosh, we'd always sort of like, you know, see who'd won and, and, and keep an eye on it just to sort of know if, if we were going to get things submitted by that person because it's you know it's a great sort of marketing angle to have yeah yeah so it was a it was really it was really great to uh to be involved in so yeah I do I do plan on in future publishing um hopefully <laughs> my, my own kind of full-length uh books but it, it, needs, it needs to be something that I've worked on that I'm you know very happy with for, for, for me I'm a little bit of a perfectionist so <laughs> so um yeah I hope I hope to be able to do that one day but yeah that was um yeah it was so fun it was really good <laughs> to uh, to be there and um and yeah and obviously the the uh, the prize for that was a trip to uh Japan which obviously given the year that we've just had hasn't ended up happening uh, but I hope to I hope to go as soon as you know it, it's safe and and allowed to to do that it's a nice thing to look forward to yeah 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 definitely and meet up with a bunch of people because yeah from that experience like I met quite a few cool people and we were sort of like oh let's you know let, let's meet up in London and then obviously <laughs> the, the, the next month um stopped that so <laughs> yeah <laughs> And obviously since then, mm. with your sort of general role at Liminal 11, and then you say you sort of expanded and evolving role at Liminal 11, I'm, I'm guessing you, you've probably not had the same sort of work-life balance mm. to, to be able to, to, to do as much comics-wise as you, as you would do uh, mm. otherwise. Or have you still been able to keep your hand in? I suppose. I'm, yeah, I mean, it, initially it was it was a little bit of a culture shock, you know, to, to suddenly have a, a, a full-time job, which I hadn't really, you know, I'd had summer jobs and stuff, but, but um, Liminal was, yeah, my first job that was kind of full-time for an extended period of time. So it was quite tiring at first, but Liminal's very good at giving creators, like, I feel like everyone, everyone on the team pretty much is a creative. Um, so they're all very understanding. And we... Yeah, I, it, it's not it's not a job that I find too draining. Um, it's a job that I love, so I feel like I'm I'm in the position of being able to. Like, <laughs> how do I put this? The second that I am happy with the script that I've done, <laughs> I'm in the comic making mode, and I I don't feel that. I would have any issue, you know, drawing a page a week or a page a day or whatever it turns out to be. But for me, the biggest time drainer is the scripting stage because I have to be completely happy with that before I start drawing because drawing is so much time that if you are, <laughs> if you spend like, you know, a year making a book and then you get to the end of it and you're like, oh, I don't even like it that much. That's so <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah <laughs> what the heck is this <laughs> yeah i oh god i would i would hate that <laughs> yeah as you say i think uh darren and kr are, are mm. very sort of mindful of you know any sort of concerns over employee sort of burnout mm. or stress so they're, they're very sort of good in terms of making sure that people 
uh, take care of themselves and, and yeah. don't sort of strain themselves too much. I know, obviously, you've uh, you've done uh, you've got a web comic uh, of a feather Ooh. that people can yes. can find. <laughs> so you've certainly um, you know still been been mm. productive. But yeah, um, as I say, it'd be interesting to see uh, that first print publication that you're yeah. happy with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, ho hopefully sooner, soon, but when I'm, when I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Just to sort of, uh, sort of bring us full circle and, and yeah. talk about, you know, your work at Liminal 11 again. Mm -hmm. As you say, it's a very sort of broad and a role that has sort of changed over mm -hmm. the time you've been there. But yeah. as I say, for me, just looking over uh, your creative life, uh, mm. as research for this podcast mm. it sort of struck me that you do come across as someone sort of uniquely qualified where you've you mm. as I say you've worked in retail and in production and in editorial and and it, mm. it, it feels like it's nothing's going to phase you that's going to turn up in the inbox because mm. you've you've done so much to sort of prepare you for the the role you've got now yeah I would I'd like to think that I'm sure something will come along that will throw me for a loop I'd be like, what does this mean? <laughs> but, uh, you know, never, never say never in that aspect. I'm sure there'll be something. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like there's always something you can improve on. And, and I'm, yeah, trying at, at the moment, my main priority is to, to become the best that I can be at, at the role that I currently have, which, you know, I think there's always, there's always something to get better at. Ella, thanks so much for talking to us uh no no worries <laughs> you're, you're welcome uh if people would like to see more of your your work would you like mm. to share your instagram details and your website and whatnot sure so my instagram is uh tori.echo which is t-o-r-i dot e-c-h-o and my website is um well it, it's linked in my instagram but ah. um, <laughs> but it's a Toriella Jones art dot wixsite dot com <laughs> um, forward slash Tori Echo. I think it's quite long actually, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's it's an Instagram, which is probably easier way yeah, of finding click, it. <laughs> click on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Ella for talking to us, and thank you for listening. See you next month. This show is a Holdfast Network production. Go to holdfastnetwork dot com for other programs you may enjoy.